0: This is EdTech Now, a short podcast about education technology and how it's used in the classroom. EdTech Now is sponsored by StackUp, a Chrome browser extension that tracks reading online for teachers and students and delivers metrics to administrators. Here's our host, Noah Geisel, Education Director at StackUp. Hey, Noah.
1: Hey Wee. Great to be with you. And our guest today is Richard Chang. He is the former associate editor of THE Journal. He's an educational technology and arts and entertainment writer, as well as an adjunct instructor at Glendale Community College. Richard, welcome to the podcast.
2: Thank you very much. It's great to be here.
1: Yeah, we're really excited to kind of pick your expertise uh, for this episode. And you know, these episodes are mostly about reading and fact-checking. And the, the first question that we wanted to ask you is really about the, the kind of differentiation between real news and fake news that, you know, whether it's just observations teachers are making in our classrooms or studies that are showing that a lot of our learners can't distinguish real news from fake news. What have you seen that educators can do to help?
2: No, yeah, it's a really good question, um, and it's very topical. I mean, even today, we almost every day these days we hear about President Trump uh, lambasting something as fake news, and and uh, it seems to have been an issue since at least since the election. Um, uh, you know what? How to distinguish real from fake? Um, I know the Common Sense Media offers some guidelines, and you can check them out on their website. Um, as to how to uh, distinguish uh, real news from fake news, obviously um, there are some tried and true and uh, uh, very established sources, such as the New York Times, the Los Angeles Times, the Washington Post, where you know they've done their reporting and their fact-checking and their sourcing. And more often than not, you can generally depend on... Them for uh, you know real news, you know to a, perhaps to a lesser degree, CNN and 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 broadcast, you know the old networks ABC, CBS, NBC, can generally be relied upon. Although you know there have been some pretty um, infamous instances in which they you know CBS might have gotten the story wrong about George W. Bush. But generally speaking, they're pretty reliable. If you're looking online, however, at some website that that's not that familiar yeah. and um they use a lot of anonymous sources and there's not a lot of references to um you know actual experts or or references that you can check check out that can be dubious and, and you know I know that sometimes facebook has put up uh stories that have been accused of being fake and not real if they're There's a lot of anonymous sources and there's not a lot of real experts or sources or references that that you can track down um, and Google even and find out who they are then I would not rely on those as your primary sources.
1: Great advice. And and kind of transitioning from the idea of what teachers and students can be doing, you you mentioned Facebook and, you know, we know that that's a source where a lot of students and families are getting their news. And, um, you know, there, there's been some pretty public, you know, efforts on Facebook's and others parts to fact check and vet those sources. You know, as a journalist with a, high level view of these efforts? How do you think they're doing um, so far in um, helping readers uh, kind of pre-vet the content that they're going to encounter on their platforms?
2: That's a good question. You know, I think they're doing a better job, you know, uh, initially they um, hired real people. You know, there's value to real people, believe it or not. (laughs) They hired real people to go out and search for good news stories and to um, uh, post them on sort of the right hand column of Facebook where you'll see sort of a feed of news. And then they decided, in the interest of speed and um, I guess saving perhaps some money, that they would automate some of that and get rid of some of the, the human editors. And that's where they got into trouble because automation doesn't always, is, can't always distinguish real from fake and will pick up a random story that's out on the web somewhere. And Facebook was accused and you know, known to have uh, put out stories that weren't entirely um, true or you know um, and they got into a little bit of trouble with that. Um, subsequently they they made agreements um, with some major news organizations such as the New York Times and uh, some broadcast networks to um, carry New York Times and Washington Post stories on their site as if they're you know without a link back to the source, uh, but to, to they made agreements to carry the stories on their site so that Facebook uh, viewers wouldn't have to leave the sort of the confines of Facebook, um, so they could keep eyeballs on their on their page. I think their approach has evolved, and these days there's a little more vetting going on and some more human um, discernment. And I think, generally speaking, we can rely on Facebook, but not always.
1: You know, speaking of that kind of vetting and and discernment aspect, there's definitely a really big market in the education space for packaging of content right where you have folks like discovery education or a friend of stackup mac and via where you know they have these massive catalogs where they are curating and packaging content for educators what are you seeing from your place at thirty thousand feet of just what that's looking like versus the more oer approach of just hey let's search for stuff and find it
2: i think discovery education is doing a very a very good job they have a uh, a lot of resources, and they also have an excellent network of, of teachers, uh, students, experts, um, and so they have what they call their tech books, and they do, they go through a lot of um, you know trial and error and retesting with with the, that stuff, and and there's a lot of um, oversight from actual K through 12. Uh, educators and administrators, I think that they're doing a pretty good job. I guess, you know, there's the OER or uh, online educational resources, which are still being explored. And I think the challenge for educators is uh, now that they have all these free resources out there, they not only have to spend time uh, teaching a curriculum, but then they also have to spend time building a curriculum and reconstructing it, you know, for Today's students, and I think um, it's still being determined what are the best resources out there. I think it's still kind of a wild, wild west out there. It's not, it's not really uh, hasn't been codified as to who the you know the leaders are quite yet.
1: Interesting. So, I mean, would you say that the quality is at least in twenty seventeen? We'll see where it goes in eighteen, nineteen, and beyond. But t- today, that quality definitely correlates to you're getting what you pay for?
2: Not quite sure yet. Certainly, you know, with Discovery Education as your, as an example, I would say that, you know, without uh, being necessarily an advocate, I think uh, you would probably get what you pay for because it's pretty well tested and um, it's in line with uh, curriculum standards, you know, the core curriculum and uh, state standards out there. I'm not quite, I, I'm not sure if I could stand by you get what you pay for it's still it's still kind of a it's still being formed What, what the the best resources are out there
1: i really love that answer um you know as a journalist we're talking about fake news talking about vetting of resources you know do you think there's implications to some of this that we see in all content areas um in the k-12 space today that are going to have really profound impacts on just our future journalists of tomorrow
2: you know i think uh we we saw the same thing with when when the blogs were were on the rise. I think, you know, the the phenomenon of the blog is sort of crested and is kind of a little bit on the decline. But, um, you you had this whole, uh, I guess, generation of of new online journalists who were challenging the, uh, you know, the standards, uh, and the training of traditional journalists who you know come through J school or had multiple internships and professional experiences at at you know uh newspapers and and uh tv stations and radio stations and um i think you know we are we're seeing that challenge you know today the sort of the wikipediaization of of news and information uh where you have a whole slew of online journalists and bloggers and And um, social media uh, denizens who are who you know perhaps don't have the same approach or training, and are relying a lot more on uh, information online, on anonymous sources, on um, things that you know sources that we uh, are not necessarily accustomed to, and I think it's sort of a big challenge. When I say Wikipediaization, I mean you know when you go to a Wikipedia page on some subject. Sure, you know you'll see references quoted, but sometimes the information there is not airtight. It's not 100% accurate, and even if they provide references, you know those in and of themselves might be online sources that are not vetted and uh, you know proven true and verified and that sort of thing. So it's a big challenge for K through 12 educators, students alike, and and for journalism today. I think the whole it's the whole industry is is facing almost kind of a crisis as far as what, you know, what the future holds.
1: Wow. that And that is uh, definitely an awesome takeaway to end on. With so much information transaction going on online, you know, whether it's even just at the level of copying and pasting and plagiarizing sources, you know, is that going to be just a growing temptation for students? I think it is.
2: It's already a problem. You know, there are um programs such as Turnitin, which does a pretty good job if a, a student is uh, written a paper, uh, you can uh, an educator can run it through a program and see if any of it has been lifted or plagiarized or cut and pasted. But I think not only for students but also for journalists, it's it's um, in becoming a problem. It's becoming a, a, a temptation because so much information can be accessed online. Uh, and you know, in a way, it's a blessing. You have all this information. You don't have to actually go out and do any research, or you don't have to go to the library anymore. But in a way, it's also a curse because it's become increasingly easy, easier just to go to a website, lift a little bit here, go to another website, lift a little bit there, um, and incorporate it into your piece. And students may think that they be, might be able to get away with it. And I think that, again, I mentioned Turnitin, but uh, educators, teachers have to be increasingly diligent um, about not only catching copied text and copied research and whatnot, uh, but also teaching students the appropriate approaches and um, why it's not ethical and not right to to copy and paste. And the value, I guess, of original thinking, original thought, original writing, I think that needs to be emphasized in, in the classroom.
1: Richard, just thank you so much for being on the podcast
0: with us today. Well, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. This has been the Ed Now podcast sponsored by StackUp the only tool that unlocks the learning benefits of the entire web while providing the accountability educators need to measure progress and engagement. With StackUp, you can measure and report online reading and learning for your entire district in less than two minutes. Go to stackup.net. We post all episodes on SoundCloud and iTunes. Visit us on Medium for show archives and notes. That's medium.com edtechnow. I'm Lee Schneider. Thanks for listening.